But real quick, we've got a couple of awesome sponsors we want to tell you all about. These are the folks that you need to check out. First off, Multicraft underscore daddy. Steven? Bruce, have you heard of Multicraft underscore daddy? Um, well, <laughs> if you need ink supplies or a daddy. Multi- Wait, you didn't even let me say who's that. Oh, forgot. Sorry. Because you know, um, he's got like, I think he's got <laughs> 600 followers now, maybe. No idea. For over 50 years, they've been providing you with top brands at competitive prices. You mentioned the Printavo podcast. You'll receive an extra 10% off your first order. And they are opening up a state-of-the-art facility in the suburbs of Chicago that is going to be insane. I have seen some pictures of it. Um, I don't think I got the naming rights. I wanted Daddy Shack, but I don't think I got that. Um, It's going to be awesome. So thanks so much, Multicraft. That may be fine. All right. So if you listen to the super color episode, you heard about their next gen transfer. I've ordered it. We've tested it here, which is pretty cool. Um, but super color has innovated its transfers to make them even more, um, easier to use actually. So the window of peel time is a lot easier. The flexibility of being able to use different heat presses, it's easier. Uh, it's just easier to peel, um, you've got more confidence with it. You can decorate with it faster. And as you know, time is money. So regardless of the type of equipment you're using, of which they have tested a lot of different presses, which is really cool. Um, Supercolor wants to make it easy. They want to make it super fast. And uh, they've got some really cool stuff. I know you guys are trying them too. So make sure you go to supercolor.com. If you want to see and learn about it slash super new, Give them a try, or if you use them in the past, give them a try again. 15% off your order. Use Printavo 15. Sorry, Printavo 15. Yeah, that episode we did with them live was awesome at Long Beach. Um, always yeah, a great time so, with Ron uh, and Mike. And, open. It's crazy just the R&D of, of being yeah. able to innovate on. Um, and their next-gen transfer is sick. Like, they had it running on the Stampinator freaking four or 500 pieces an hour. So you shouldn't spend all day cleaning dirty screens Easy Ways line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. Bruce, what are your favorite Easy Way chemicals? <laughs> well, your favorite are 701 and 842. We won't talk um, about your favorite one that Alex is coming out with, but if you value a company to help with how-tos, best practices, and questions, Easy Way is there. Give it a go. They're with over 100 distributors. Um, and they're always available to help um, to to help out your chemistry. So thanks so much, Easy Way. We appreciate you. Last but not least, GraphX Source. We were next to their booth over at Long Beach, um, and it was great working together because GraphX Source works really well with Printavo. And um, essentially, what they're doing is they handle SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, digitizing, back office admin, and customer service. But they work in your existing workflow. So their team, their train, they have like hundreds of people that they train to be able to handle production art and order entry for you and uh, give them a shot. They're awesome. Um, you know, you've got a couple artists too, Fair. We just, just brought on our third it? one. Ooh. So now we have three, one doing back office, building online stores, two that are going to be doing art and, uh, yeah, they're part of the team. Actually, one of like I'm gonna I need to send them some merch, but uh, GraphX is a no brainer. Y'all should do it. Heck yeah, GraphXSource.com for your needs. Mention Printavo Pod that'll get you half off your first vector sap or embroidery digitizing order. All right, let's jump on in. We are live. Uh, we just usually just kick this off. So okay, <laughs> you got cool, a beautiful right background, on. by the way. Are you at home? I am at home. Is that the IKEA like DIY desk? It is. Okay, cool. I saw someone else with it and it looks so cool. I, I have um, one from Flexi Dex, Desk because um, I like to stand like I'm no standing person, but like 10 minutes a day. I feel like sometimes like just jogs my brain and then it's back You actually use again. it, the stand-up desk? Yeah, like it's weird. I find myself, if I sit in the same chair and desk for the whole day, I fade off way quicker after one or two. But if I switch some sort of location in the afternoon, whether it's like going to sit at the dining table um, or just standing instead of sitting, 
like my brain like almost resets in a way. And so I get more time. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that about the uh, stand-up desk. I just can't get into it. It's, I think the other thing too is needing a um, comfortable shoes or like a pad or something. So your feet don't hurt. But again, I'm like, I'm like 15, 20 minutes and that's like my good mental reset. And then I'm sitting back down again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I have like the giant, like lift up stand up desk thing on top of my desk. Never used it. Oh, and if the, I did the one that you modify it. Yeah. And if I did try to use it, it would just like shake everything off. My coffee would spill, like wires would pull out of the computer. Just a mess. That's funny. I literally, uh, I, I was working and I had some cold brew sitting next to my laptop and I accidentally tapped it and the whole thing, like, I swear that the, the, like the lid of the, the cold brew spilled in the middle of the laptop, like a bullseye. <laughs> no. And I just looked at it. Like, I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe this just happened. Like it, wait, just did it happen? <laughs> and I pull up and I, and I lift up the laptop and there's just cold brew just dripping out of the ports no. on the other side. <laughs> no. Uh, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like I got to tell her CFOs. But Hey, did you know this for, if you get the Apple warranty on any of your devices, it was two ninety nine to replace essentially everything on the computer. I do the warranties like half the time. I, I'm just always like convinced it's a scam. But it's worked for me in the past. Yeah. I'm always like, whenever the warranty question, even at Home Depot, if you buy something, it's like, add a warranty. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. The only warranties I ever buy are um, the laptops, the Apple laptops for the team. Because I swear on many, many of the laptops that are around year three or something like that, like just stuff happens. Batteries like go bad. Um, screens don't work, things like that. And I, I think to your point though, I think I'm financially at a loss, but I think I'm mentally at a gain. <laughs> like I feel good because when they go to get the fix at the Apple store, the, the bill is zero versus, uh, you know, being pissed off at like fixing an old ass laptop from like three years ago for a thousand dollars. Anyway. All right, Dave, Dave, how do I pronounce your last name? By the way, Gostin Gostin Yeah, very strong German name. Um, don't speak any German. That's usually the first question I get after that, but Gostin Hofer. Gostin Hofer. All right. Dave, you run a really cool business. Um, actually, Steven sent it to me. Uh, shirts on tap. Um, and just from cruising around, looking at interviews and everything, it's, an, it's a very unique take on a subscription uh, like shirt of the month type business. And so I'm, I'm really interested in just talking to you about it and how you got started um, and all that. But actually I saw, did you start or, or like you were in the Marines out of school? Uh, I was in the Marines, not straight out of school. I actually went to college first and then um, I graduated college in 2008 and I come from a construction family. And so I had like this whole game plan after after college, I was going to be working with my dad and doing all this construction stuff and construction tanked and I uh, pivoted. Let's see, I graduated in 2008. I spent about a year trying to like figure out what I was going to do. And I just decided one day I was going to go and join the Marines. You yeah. are a boss. Um, thank you for your service. Of course, there's uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a keyboard guy, so you, you're uh much more of a, a man than me. <laughs> um, how well, long were you it there? Was a lot of fun, but I just did one, one contract and I was out. Um, it was amazing. I drove tanks, so it was super cool. Did some really awesome stuff and, um, learned a lot, met a lot of great people, but it definitely, I realized very quickly once I went in, it was not going to be a career thing for me. Yeah, I just did my one contract and got out. So I was in for about four years. Did you have to travel anywhere unique or? Um, so with with tanks and when I when I went in, they weren't being used very much besides training purposes. So they were um, not being used for 
like combat missions at the time. So I wasn't getting deployed to like Afghanistan or Iraq. So we just did a lot of training. We went to some cool places. Um, just the way my timing went off, it was like right before I joined, they were they were deployed. And then right after I got out, they got deployed again. So my my time there was pretty, pretty much like stateside. I went all, all over, um, spent a lot of time in the south and like Georgia and Kentucky, Colorado, a lot of time out in the desert here in California. Tanks everywhere. Is it like yeah. the movies? I'm all going off on a tangent here, but like, is it like, <laughs> you know, where it's like you're going through a little porthole and it's just like, you're just, you're in it, you know, and, and, and driving, you're enclosed by the tank like that. Oh yeah. It's very tight quarters and you got four people in there and it's very tight and you spend a, a very long amount of time. Is there any With a lot neat, of moving parts? <laughs> any and whatever you can say, is there any neat technology that I feel like the common person doesn't know about uh, a tank that that you learned about? Oh man, tanks are amazing. Um, they run off off a jet engine, so they're surprisingly fast. I mean, they weigh seventy tons with full load, so they're heavy. They're fast, but what's amazing about them is the the weapon systems on them. You could be driving at full speed on a bumpy road, going over stuff, running over trees, whatever. But the the weapon systems on them are so good that you could shoot a bullseye target every single shot over and over and over again while you're doing that. While so, you're driving around. While you're driving like that. They're, oh, my they're God. So it's like machines. automatically, you know, it zeros in on wherever you set. And while you're bumping around and all that, it it's adjusting. Yeah. That's if you're using the uh, the guns that are connected to computers. If you're... On the top with a machine gun, it's not quite the same. But got it. Okay, seventy tons, hundred forty thousand pounds. That's crazy. Um, okay, how did how did all right? What happened? <laughs> Where was the connection from here to screen printing? Um, my start in the screen printing's uh, interesting one. Um, actually, when I got out of college, I think my dad was kind of seeing the red flags about construction, and he was trying to like introduce me to different things and. A good family friend of ours was a screen printer, lifelong screen printer, had a shop with a couple manual presses, basically just himself and some helpers that came in and um, he was getting out. And my dad's like, you should check it out. Like, it's a really cool thing. You'd be really into, into it. You love art. You love using your hands. And um, I think you'd like it. You should go check it out. So I went up to this guy's shop, Dan the Man. Eagle screen printing. And he was showing me, he showed me like two seconds of artwork on a computer. Like, here's a dark room. Here's a, <laughs> here's a washout booth. That sounds uh, like my, like, uh, my initial training. Things. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, but here's where you print t-shirts. And I got like, this is awesome. Whoa, no way. And I'm like amazed by it. But all I really saw was like the actual on press screen printing side of things like pulling a squeegee on the press and so i um i left there and i'm like yeah this is awesome and i worked out a deal with him and my dad where we basically moved the guy out of his shop and my my uh dad i was absolutely broke fresh out of college so my dad was like helping me out getting the stuff started. And so I made a really good deal with him, got all this equipment for like a really great price and got it all set up. We had a barn. My, I grow, I grew up on an avocado ranch. And so we have quite a bit of uh, property and we had a barn there that we converted to the print shop and built it out. It was, it's actually, sometimes I dream about going back to that shop. It was so cool. <laughs> Completely built for screen printing. Just avocados and, everywhere. Uh, yeah, avocados everywhere. Just a beautiful just avocado screen printing. <laughs> yeah. But we got it all set up, moved in. It was a, a ton of work. And then I went to make a t-shirt and I'm just like, what the hell did I get myself into? And then it got real about having to learn how to, I mean, even just coding a screen, all that stuff, you know, is is completely the... Uh, YouTube watching, watching Ryan Ed and uh, Cat Spit and all the different people on YouTube, just trying to figure out how it all worked together and just trying to get my head wrapped around it all. Doing that for a while and being like, I, like I, I don't see how people make a living off of this. Like 
this is crazy. And that's actually when I went and left and joined the Marines. Oh, I see. Okay. All that stuff just kind of stayed there. My dad was also like very interested in it, wanted to learn how to do it. But yeah, I basically sat there. And then when I was kind of done with all like the initial training with all this, the uh, Marine stuff, I was back here in San Diego. I still had all the screen print stuff. I was still really into it. I was doing it on like any free time I, I had. I started doing like small jobs for people and getting more and more into it. But at the same time, I was transitioning to the Marine Corps Reserves and I was working for full time for a, a company in San Diego, having like a nine to five, very computer based job doing like data entry and stuff like that for a pretty big corporation here doing Marine Corps reserves and also screen printing on the side. And it was kind of all just coming down into this tunnel of like, I was getting out of the Marines. I was working this job. I really didn't like, and I had all this equipment and, um, I ended up one day. I remember it. I was, uh, it was like Friday in San Diego at like two o'clock, beautiful day. All my friends are going surfing at the beach, partying it up. I was like stuck at work, just waiting for five o'clock to roll around. And I was thinking to myself like this, I have to be able to make enough money with screen printing to cover my paycheck here. Like I can't be doing this for the rest of my life. So, so that pushed you. And are, by the way, are you still doing a lot of custom work on the side of like with the subscription business? Most of our work we do is, is a like custom screen printing work. Got it. Got it. Uh, so like what percentage would you say is the subscription uh, the shirts on tap. You know, it, it fluctuates. Um, I'd say it's about half and half, but really sometimes it's like 40%. Sometimes it's 60%. Um, as far as like the work, the time in production, it takes up, it's probably 25% of our, of our month goes towards like printing box club stuff or really packing and fulfilling the shirts. But the back end work is insane. It takes a ton of work to run subscription boxes. There's just so much back end work on that. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. I, I want to dive into that. I, I'm starting at the beginning of, of the subscription. It, it feels like, you know, I feel like a lot of people will have that idea you know, they'll email out the people they know and post on social. Maybe they get a couple subscribers and then, you know, it's like, now what? What was that journey like for you guys? Like, how did you start to get more traction? Because half the business isn't that that's not small, right? It's um, maybe if it was like five or 10%, that'd be different, but that's it, pretty significant. Yeah, it is. A, it is pretty wild. Definitely when you're like thinking about subscription boxes and running numbers in your head, you're like, oh man, when I get to a thousand members, we're going to be making this much money. But then when you actually start it, um, you quickly realize how hard it is to get somebody to sign up for a subscription box, especially if you're, you know, doing it on a shoestring budget and just bootstrapping everything. And, you know, you don't have like a beautiful website. You don't have a, an amazing signup process for the first like three or four years of, of the uh, subscription our checkout page was just a form stack form that people would fill out their information. It didn't give you a total. If you put in a discount code, it didn't show you a discount. And then you just hit submit. You wouldn't even get like a confirmation. <laughs> I mean, super, super form janky. stack. That's funny. <laughs> I can't believe people actually were signing up for it. <laughs> I mean, was there a payment thing on that or no? Just yeah. So when I, when I started, it was 2013 and there was not a lot of solutions for subscription stuff. And so I had so many different programs talking to each other and, and kind of just duct tape together to, to do it. But yeah, basically I had a Shopify or Squarespace website with a form stack form that connected with Chargeify, which was our subscription software at Got the it. time. And then that rebuild um, them every month. Ah, and so I'm assuming you're a beer drinker uh, since this is for beer enthusiasts. Uh, shirts on tap. And by the way, you people can see it. It's um, what is it? shirtsontap.com. Um, explain like what the niche is, right? So it, it looks like you partner with breweries and send people subscriptions, but does it rotate through breweries or how does that work? It's um, 
So yeah, we call it a, a brewery box club and it basically the way it works is if you sign up every month, we release uh, right now it's nine new t-shirts every month. Seven of those are brewery specific. So we have different areas every month that we feature a brewery in and design a shirt with the local brewery. Uh, we work with artists, create really cool designs. It's a big collaboration between us and artists and a brewery. And as a member, you get to pick whichever box you want. You can swap boxes. We even let you pick if you want to do the big design on front of your shirt or on back of your shirt. Like the brewery sets that up. Like as in you work with a brewery to set up the design and everything. But how, how does the split work? Like this, or are you paying the brewery or is there a split or no? So it's a free feature for the brewery. For them, it's a, a really great exposure and a way for them to get some really cool new artwork. And we do everything from working with the artist to coming up with really cool ideas that kind of fit the brewery's culture and, and vibe and all that. And so they, for the most part, breweries seem to be pretty hands-off on the process. We've been doing it for so long. We have a really good reputation in the brewing world to where like, usually they're reaching out to us like, we'd love to get on for a month. Let us know what we have to do. And they're just like, whatever you want to do, like, make a school shirt. Some are really involved and very nitpicky and, and specific about stuff and want to be very hands-on with artists and, and all that stuff. But mostly it's it's like breweries are just like, make us a cool shirt and and we'll give you a couple revisions at the end if, if you need something. But typically we start, we, we look at the brewery, we talk with them and we match them with one of the artists we work with that we think would be a good fit. We work with that artist to come up with a handful of ideas that we present to the brewery. They pick their favorite and we go from there. Got it. And so the brewery gets out of it is like exposure essentially to this group of people who are subscribed. Yeah. And then, then, then when people subscribe there, it's like rotating through different breweries. So like maybe this month you're getting this Colorado brewery design next month. It's this Florida brewery and so on. Yeah. So we release a design for each one of our, our brewery locations every month. A lot of people live in those areas. They just get that same shirt every month. When we got more into Facebook ads, we found we're getting a lot more people that live in areas we don't have a presence and they will pick randomly through shirts. Oh, and interesting. So you subscribe to a brewery to like and then a location. You get, got it. To it yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. A, like a location or a, yeah. um, okay. Got it. a location. Yeah. That's where you've got a brewery or many breweries in that space. Yeah. So basically how, how it started was a San Diego brewery box club. And we were in San Diego. We were just featuring breweries every month that were in San Diego. And that started growing and getting some traction. And so we're like, all right, if we could do it here in San Diego, we could do it somewhere else. And so we went from San Diego and then we opened up at the time it was the Denver box. Now it's the Colorado box. Um, and then after Denver, we did a, a, a Portland, Washington, which are now Oregon and, and uh, Washington, jumped to... Dallas, which was because at the time we were talking with um, oh Shark Tank, Shark Tank. Thank you. And they were like, Mark Cuban's going to love this product. And so we're like, we got to open a Dallas box. So we started <laughs> opening a Dallas box. And um, so we hit Dallas. We have Chicago box and a New England box. I think I got them all there. Seven, seven different areas, different regions. Um, and then every month within those areas, we feature a different brewery. We also have two more boxes that are not brewery specific that people like quite a bit now too that are doing well. So that makes sense. And yeah. it's it looks like it's twenty five dollars and that includes free shipping too. Yeah, twenty five bucks. We've had a bunch of different prices over the years. So what is uh, the what do you find is the best <laughs> price so far? You know, when I first started, I felt like I really had to compete with how much a shirt cost at a brewery, and at the mm -hmm. time that was like twenty bucks. That was the okay. standard price of shirt. So for a long time, it was right around 20 bucks, but we did $18.99. But if you wanted like a premium shirt, you added three bucks. And then we, at some point, probably about three years ago, four years ago, we moved everybody up to 24 bucks a month. And then last year, we updated our website and migrated all of our members to a new subscription software and did all this back-end work and raised the price again to 25 bucks. 
Did you lose anybody when you moved everybody to 24? Or was it like a net gain because the increased revenue covered people that left? Yeah, it wasn't that bad, honestly. I was terrified. I was so yeah. scared. Um, but we were raising it enough at the time to kind of offset that. So it was like, even if we lose half of our members, like we're actually going to be making the same amount of money, just doing half the work. And we definitely lost some people. And I think it was a pretty like solid trickle of people leaving for the next few months. Well, um, my dog's going off now. That's right. Uh, it really wasn't that bad. We, we lost some people and definitely saw more cancellations over the next few months and then it evened out and it was pretty good. Interesting. Uh, and by the way, are you doing, do you do priority shipping or um, first class? Since I see it looks like do, free shipping here. That's yeah, we do first class. We have gone through a few different versions of packaging. Our first box was this big old cardboard. It looked like a pizza box and there's a t-shirt wrapped in craft paper with a little bow tie tied in like, like string. And we'd send it out. It was like a shirt bouncing around a box. And then we got, now we have a pretty dialed in box. It's like the absolute cheapest you could ship a t-shirt for. And most of our stuff ships out first class. Gotcha. So you could save a little bit on that and then push the, uh, push to free shipping. What runs, you talked about software. What, what runs this? It looks like a Shopify store, but I'm assuming there's other apps behind it. Yeah. So we just, um, just last year did a huge update on our tech stack. We were still pretty shoestring together. Uh, before last year, we had a WordPress site and Chargeify and a bunch of apps kind of making everything talk together. Now we have a Shopify store. We're working with Recharge for our subscription software. And those are our two main things that we use now. And does that make it easy? Like every, at the end of the month, you can print a report or something of everything that you need to print to be able to ship out? Yeah, so the way our program works, we let everybody see designs before they get charged. So on the first of the month, you get an email, our website updates, and you see all of our new designs. You get three days to pick whatever you want, make any changes, and you could swap boxes. You could, you could change your design location and do like, a lot of people like a small print on the front left chest. A lot, a lot of people like the small print on the, the nape. And so we let you customize your box. On the third, we charge you. And that's when we run the report, get all the numbers. And it's like a big pre-order system. So interesting. What is the print pack and ship? Like, what is the percentage of people who, because it like, is it half the people that you email out to that, that selects a shirt to subscribe to you? Or like, do you, because what's interesting, right, is I think most subscription shirt businesses, they just send stuff, right? They just send the next design that comes out. But to your point here, this maybe eliminates some of the fatigue of just auto getting stuff all the time that maybe you like some of them, maybe you don't like others. You must have some sort of conversion of the amount of people that actually hit the next shirt versus pass on it. So we're still an opt out type setup. So you're going to get it charged in a shirt unless you actively oh, okay. So skip you'll select one. Cancel. Gotcha. Yeah. So we have people select a default shirt when they sign up. So... If you do nothing, which a lot of people are just like hands-free, we actually have an option. And I, at the time, I really didn't even want to do it, but it was a surprise me box. Let us pick the shirt for you. And I thought nobody would want to do it. I got outvoted at work to have it on there. And so we have it. And surprisingly, so many people sign up. They put the surprise me, <clears throat> excuse me, they put the surprise me on there and we just pick our, we, every month, like everyone at the shop picks their favorite shirt. We decide on our favorite shirt and that's our, our shirt of the month staff pick basically. Got it. Are you able to share so, how many subscribers you guys have? Yeah. That's always the, uh, the big question, right? Subscriptions are, are tough to give like a solid number because we deal with a lot of skip rates. <clears throat> a lot of people every month skip and we, we get usually between like 15 and 20% of our members will skip a box. Um, we have a lot of like gift card members that don't necessarily count. We ship out typically like four to 5,000 shirts a month. That's kind of where we're at. But yeah. allowing the skip, that's a good idea. Um, and then maybe that gets the, that, that also reduces the, um, 
the kind of getting tired of uh, like, oh, I actually don't need, you know, shirt this month or I don't like this one. So that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's a fair amount though. <laughs> that that feels like a lot logistically, which, you know, you were talking about earlier and some of the things that you've learned to scale something like this. Um, how does that work? Like, how does the team work now? You know, do you, it's like the fifth of the month. Okay. We've got everything. We, we, we've got the reports. We print it all out. We place the order, you know, from SNS, Sam or whoever. And then now what, like, how does, how does it all look? Yeah. Then we get to work. I mean, at this point, we've done it so many times. Months go quick. And so we've done it so many times. It's it's second nature to us. We've gotten really good at making sure what you order is what you get. We've never had like some crazy explosive growth period. Like if we actually went on Shark Tank and got an insane amount of subscribers overnight. So we've always been able to grow with it, which I think has helped. But lo- logistical ninjas, I guess. I don't know how to say it. It's, it's pretty wild. Um you know, we take this big report of, of numbers, break it down. And, you know, we have so many different SKUs because we have... You have the uh, different locations, the designs, and the different cities. We also have a ton of different styles. So we do a, a men's soft cotton, a men's heavy cotton, men's tank top, which I think we actually just discontinued the men's tank top. Uh, women's shirts... And then we always have some kind of upgrade option like long sleeves or sweatshirts that changes every month. And then each one of those has a front, uh, big on front or big on back option and then all the different locations and designs. So, but like, yeah, it's a ton of, ton on the of fulfillments that like sometimes I've seen some shops that, um, you know, it's connected in the ship station. I'm assuming you're, you're on that. And then, um, you know, all the packing slips, for example, are all printed out. There's a barcode on the packing slip. You know, somebody goes from packing slip to a long table or or cubbies or whatever it's set up with all the shirts, picks it or multiple, um, goes over to sh- like takes it, puts it on a table for shipping. They scan it. ShipStation has that barcode, you know, um, reader that prints off the label and you weigh it. And, and then you hit print that charges it for the label and then you package it and put it in a bin. Is it similar to that? And it's just the time? Not necessarily. So we do it. We do it all in batches per design. So we basically will do our San Diego box, for instance. We'll run our San Diego box. We print all those shirts completely and then already have our labels ready to go. And as they get folded and boxed, we'll do like all the men's soft cotton big on fronts. All those labels are ready to go. They get put on the boxes and put in the mail that day. Mm. And Gotcha. And on the shipping label, does it say the size on the bottom? Like on the, or yeah, exactly. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, so then you don't need to print the packing slip. Right. So no packing slips. We actually use pirate ship. Uh, oh, okay. That's yeah. That's, same. Yeah. Pirate ship is awesome. Um, and at the time they, when we use chargeify for our subscription software, they integrated really well with chargeify and that's why we started with them. But even now on, on Shopify, it integrates really well and, it's amazing, but they use rubber stamps. So on the bottom of each label, it'll say exactly what's going in it. And we have our, like some codes we know. So we know it's like, this is a men's soft cotton, big on front or big on back and size XL. And so that label, no matter what, we know exactly what box that label belongs on. And we'll print the labels off before the shirts are even printed. We know exactly how much they weigh. We'll get them printed, ready to go. As the shirts get printed, they go straight into fulfillment where they get packed, boxed, and shipped out. What does the team look like size-wise to, you know, individually pack and fulfill? Because I'm assuming you you have a certain window, right, to get it in and everything out to people before, you know, maybe you got a couple-week break and then you start it again. We have 10 people, I think, in, usually in production. And that includes, like, screen printing, all the other stuff we do for, like, printing and then for fulfillment and, and then office wise, there's really just three of us that are doing like the front end office type work. I I find it fascinating. Um, your business because, you know, being in software, it's, it's, it's a monthly subscription to use it as well. And so there's some interesting similarities there. Um, like on the, on your customer service end, I'm assuming, you know, not everybody's perfect. They may ship something or, or somebody writes back. H- how do you handle that? 
We do when we can. So we always ship you a free shirt. Like if there's ever an issue, we are not sticklers about anything. At the end of the day, it's a t-shirt. And for us, sending out a free shirt to keep you happy is like the easiest possible thing. What gets tricky is because we offer so many different styles and SKUs, like the reason we can do that is because we run it off like a pre-order system, right? But if we send you like a men's heavy cotton 4XL with a big on back print and you get it and it has like a little hole on the back of the shirt that we didn't catch, we're probably not going to have an extra one of those laying around. So um, we do two, usually sometimes more, but we do two prints every month. One is that first one in the beginning and then one at the very end of the month for anybody that has signed up throughout the month. And so we try to get it in on that second print. If we don't get it in on that second print, and if we don't have an extra one of those shirts laying around that they they want, then you know we'll go from there and give them a free month or something like that. But um, so you'll run it twice. So let's say someone signs up the fifteenth. For everybody that signed up the month prior or before you're running it let's call it the first a run and being able to ship it out say at the end of the week or something and then if somebody sends it to 15th you're also doing a run call it on the 20th or so that kind of is like the cleanup crew for the the people in between the month that signs up yeah exactly so we'll do really our first print starts on like around the fifth of the month um however long it takes between when the uh, we get our numbers and when we could order. Because if we get our numbers on like a Friday, we really can't even order until the following Monday. And so we might not, especially these days, we might not start getting shirts till the following like Wednesday or so. But so we'll do that initial print. Usually we have all of our, our first round of shirts printed off and shipped out by like the 20th to the 25th. Again, depending on how the days in the month land. And then we wait until the very end of the month to pull the second round of numbers and do a second print. So really you get it in the first, you'd get that shirt like the first week of the following month. You know, it's, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of different people that run shirt clubs or subscription products. And, you know, when we started this, there was not like a very clear game plan of how we're going to do it or grow and do stuff. It was just kind of, a natural organic progression of how things kind of shaped up. If I started a, a, a shirt subscription now, there's definitely some things I'd change, but that's funny. Um, that was literally my next question is like, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like the website was one, right? Like getting yeah. on Shopify and what, what was the app called again? Like, uh, Chargeify. Now Chargeify. it's Maxio. They changed to Maxio. Chargeify, Maxio. Maxio. So like, okay, maybe that was one thing. And it could be yeah. operations, it could be website, it could be marketing stuff. Like what, what are other things you feel like you would have done earlier? Man, well, so many things happened because we tried it out for a month and then we couldn't change it back. So like the whole big on front, big on back thing really came to like us at the shop disagreeing on what is a better layout for a shirt. And so one month I was like, let's just give everybody the option and let's see how it goes. And it was like a dead split 50-50. And then the next month when we didn't do it, we heard from our members and they're like, what happened? Like I wanted the, the big on back and blah, blah, blah. So then we had to keep that. Um, one month the brewery was like, hey, can we throw in a sticker? And I'm like, absolutely. So we threw a sticker in the box. Next month we didn't. We heard from our members and they're like, where's our sticker? So now every box comes with a sticker, which by the way, every box we do comes with a sticker, a write up about the brewery a little bit about the design and artist. And then it has some kind of discount to the brewery, to the tasting room to actually get you inside of there to, to help support them and try their beer and stuff like that. So we call it a, a beer tour in a box. So every box has that stuff in it as well as the, the shirt. As far as things I would change if I, if I did it again, um, one of the reasons we let people pick that shirt all month long is because it is a collaboration with the brewery. Um, there's a lot of cross promotion and a lot of the, those brewery like fans will sign up to get that shirt and like get introduced to us because one of their favorite breweries are being featured. However, what I've learned over the years is like, you'd actually don't get that many members that way. And so 
it, it adds a ton of logistical stuff for us to let you sign up for a shirt throughout a month and get that shirt that you sign up for. And I'd probably try to figure out a way to change that if I did it again. And the other big one for me, our designs are really cool. They're designed by some of the like most talented artists, in my opinion, out there. And the life of the shirt and the designs are so short lived because it's on a monthly basis. You know, we'll have these amazing designs that are only available for, you know, I mean, technically a month, but really it's like two to three weeks, then they're gone. And a lot of the breweries will, will want the designs and we'll keep printing them for them afterwards. And they kind of live on that way, but I would love to get more play on, on the awesome artwork we come up with every month. It's a lot, you know, it's nine designs a month is right now what we're doing for the club. Yeah, no, that is a lot. Um, what about, uh, what do you have to say for people maybe on the marketing front, right? Because I think everybody could print the shirts and I think people in Shopify world, you know, who have toil, can toil away and, and sort of figure it out at least enough for now. You know, maybe it's not the most scalable tech uh, stack getting going but the marketing front like it feels like at least leaning on the breweries to help promote it would help at least to post on social or something you email out your list i mean is that is that like i mean you've been doing it for it sounds like almost what eight years nine years yeah going on like 10 years um is it just time also like in combination with it or or were there any sort of pivotal moments in the on the marketing front yeah, I mean, we've done, so when we started, we were doing a lot of events. Um, There's a lot of beer fests. We'd go, we'd set up a booth. Um, we'd sponsor a lot of events. We do a lot of live screen printing. And that's how we started. That was like our, our first round of marketing was just getting out there in front of people, setting up a booth at beer fest in front of like beer fans and just kind of showing them what we're doing and We'd have a bunch of shirts on display. We'd be giving out, um, we had a, a shirt. We still have it. It's it just in big bold letters says drink local craft beer. And if you signed up at the event, we'd give you that shirt for free. And um, that was our, our first version of marketing. And then we got a ton of referrals, a lot of word of mouth. And What's really cool about doing growing that way is basically everybody that signs up has some kind of personal connection with the business because they've met me or someone else from Shirts on Tap. And I mean, you talk to them at a beer fest, you know, you get people that have had a like 18 tasters and they'd be over there talking to you for half an hour about, you know, like I used to screen print in college. It's so cool and blah, blah, blah. And so like they would just be in love with like Shirts on Tap and like, really want to support us and all this. Um, when we started getting more into like Facebook ads and digital marketing, you lose a lot of that uh, personal connection with people. Um, and, you know, storytelling online, I found, I find for myself is very difficult to do versus like talking to somebody. Um, and so you get a lot less like people engaged, like a lot of people sign up and they think we're some huge company. And if they have an issue with their shirt, I mean, the emails you'd get, you, we get are like, like, I need to speak with the manager. Like this shirt came with a stain on it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, it's like me or uh, somebody else at, at the shop, like, oh, so sorry, man. Hey, we'll send you a free shirt. Like, so sorry. Um, and like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but before the emails we'd get is like, like, hey, Dave, yeah, uh, yeah. I hate to bug you with this. Totally. But, um, uh, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is bullshit. Like all caps and everything. Yes, you call them. The and that'd be, the funny thing about those is like people are really nice though. And it's like, hey, uh, I just wanted to call you because I saw you're really upset. Oh, I I'm sorry. I was just having a bad morning or something. Like, is there any oh, way totally. I can, you know, it's like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. All the caps got real small. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like, I mean, I think people are just genuinely nice. I, you know what I think it is too, is I think 
people like maybe you need to be more forceful if you need something from a, a large company like you're saying like comcast or spectrum or something like that and uh it's like no no like i'm i'm on your side i don't like want to hurt you i i'll get you what you need totally right yeah no you call at&t or someone you're like going in for battle yeah, so, yeah. Like, you're like i'm just picturing I'm that go. 300 like man tonight <laughs> Capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What What do you think? All right, last one. What What do you think is the biggest win? You know, we talked about some of the 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 bumps and 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 you smoothing everything out. But, uh, you know, if you could, if you feel like the biggest, it sounds like one is just absolutely being on uh, the ground floor, like meeting people. You know, people that are passionate and this beer fest and this and that. What, what are some others? Um, man, I, I love working with breweries. It's just so cool watching these people. It's to me, it's a lot like screen printing. You know, it's people that are really passionate about something that started in a garage for the most part and have grown into like being like a full business that's serving the public and, you know, their beers, their craft and their people come in and enjoy it. So I love working with breweries. I love working with artists and watching them just like come up with the concept and then creating something amazing. And I've, I of course have fallen in love and absolutely love everything about screen printing and, and getting all that together and on a shirt. So, I mean, the win is we, we get to do that every month with a bunch of different people and everybody enjoys the process. And so every month we have like a bunch of new breweries that we've gotten to work with that, are now like super happy with something we did for them. And a bunch of people out there are super happy with the shirt they got from us. And, you know, for the most part, what makes shirts on tap so cool is it's a win, win, win for everybody. That's the biggest win. But um, as, as any company goes, there's always difficulties, totally, especially when it comes to. Do you still run the Facebook ads and Instagram ads? Oh yeah. We've been super big into, into all that stuff for the last couple of years. So it's profitable. Do, do you start running it and then you just use some sort of, you know, expert or contractor agency or? Totally. So we, we kind of started getting our feet wet with it on our own, learning the, the ropes of Facebook advertising. And after doing that for a year, so like 2021, we got really into it and events were all stopped. You know, everything was closed down for COVID. So we focused on it and with just Facebook ads, we grew the box club like 90% that year. Like it was just crazy. From Facebook ads. Getting. All Facebook ads. Man, that is crazy. You know, it's so funny. I feel like so many guests have mentioned social ads as a huge driver. Mm-hmm. Um, like once they get it to click and they, and they, yeah. they dial it in. It is absolutely wild how great they could be. But I'm going to put a little caveat to that, how great they were, because as soon as that iOS update came out, I feel like it just completely shook up Facebook advertising and you had to Mm. kind of start over to kind of figure out your pixel and retarget people. And so um, for for folks who don't know, what happened was Apple um, stopped allowing tracking across multiple devices. So it used to be you can retarget someone. So, you know, like when you go to an Amazon ad or or like a product and you see ads for that product on your computer, on your phone, whatever, um, on Facebook and so on, Apple doesn't allow that cookie tracking, I guess, across devices anymore. So you won't see it on your phone. And I believe Google is doing this too in 2024, um, so they're not going to allow for easy co- cookie retracking, you know, um, around websites too. So that affects, so like retargeting is such a big thing where you see it, you can create a lookalike audience from people who've been here and then you can showcase ads. So anyway, just some backstory, but, and it definitely shakes up everybody's program Yeah, for sure. Like when that happened, it was like overnight our our ads just stopped performing. It took a while for it to get back on track. And we actually hired a, we contracted with a a agency that um, helped us 
set up like our Clavio and get better with email marketing and also like do our digital marketing. And we actually just stopped working with them and we're going to go back to doing it on our own. But yeah, Facebook ads, once you get the hang of it, it is such a powerful tool. That year when we started seeing results from it, I would just get these like pits in my stomach at night that I hadn't been doing it for the previous, you know, five, 10 years. And because it, I mean, I think it, I, I think there was like a serious heyday for him and, yeah. and we kind of missed that out. We we're too busy, like, like spending our weekends at beer fest. And I mean, I'm sure those things are, too. <laughs> they're, they're fun, but they're work. You know, you'd, we'd yeah. work in the shop all week. We'd wake up super early on a Saturday and set up a booth and be there all day. And, you know, we, we did that. We were working around the clock just for years. And so there's definitely part of me that's like, you're telling me I could have been at home, like with my family, like doing whatever I wanted to do and just had a Facebook ad running in the background, getting the same results or better over the last few years. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I strongly encourage people that haven't messed around with it to, uh, you know, just, just play around with it and, and figure it out. It's so easy. You really don't have to be spending that much money and, um, actually just helped my friend who he's a he's got a digital print shop he's just gotten into it and he's getting a ton of leads and people hitting him up and all sorts of stuff so that's amazing it's yeah cool well dave thank you for being able to share the story you guys can check everything out shirts on tap tap.com and on your instagram and uh people to follow along the journey i'm sure this is going to be helpful for Shops figuring out their own niche of like what they're uh, passionate about to creating their own club. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on. And, and thank you and Steven for all the content you guys put out. You know, I, I love your guys' shows and the shop tours. And for me, whenever I'm feeling a little like burnt out and having a hard time, like getting in the zone for like running a print shop, I'll pop on an episode and just like, it immediately gets me firing and back at it. So thank yeah. you for, for all that. Appreciate so that. It's, yeah, it's so cool. And I love hearing everybody's story. So I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Dave. All right, pronouncers. We appreciate you listening to another episode. Uh, you're awesome. And um, check us out next week. We'll see you then.